There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service podcast, I interview real life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Welcome back to another episode of Titans of Food Service. I'm your host, Nick Portillo. And today I have the distinct honor of introducing a remarkable individual whose journey is a testament to resilience, leadership, and the power of making a difference in the lives of others. My guest today is Eric Goodman. Eric embodies the spirit of never giving up, the strength of unwavering leadership, and the boundless compassion for helping others. He serves as the president and CEO of Mountain View Services, Inc., a leading healthcare supply and distribution company that extends its reach to over 500 care facilities for the developmentally disabled adults and children, home care facilities, hospice care companies, nonprofits, schools, care centers, and homeless shelters. His mission is not only to provide the highest quality products and services, but also to empower his clients to deliver the highest quality of care to those they serve. Beyond his corporate endeavors, Eric is a fervent advocate for building community relationships. He has served on the boards of prominent nonprofit organizations, including the American Heart Association and Ronald McDonald's House, leaving an indelible mark of generosity and support. In recognition of his unwavering commitment to the betterment of society, Eric received the Unforgettables Foundation Heart Award of the Inland Empire in 2020. His dedication to community building also earned Mountain View Services the prestigious Civic 50 honorary title in 2022, signifying their place among the top 50 community-minded companies in Orange County. That's incredible. Adding another feather to his cap, Eric was honored with the Cal State University of Fullerton Center for Leadership's Award for Corporate Responsibility in 2023. Moreover, his dedication to excellence and community values culminated in Mountain View Services being named Orange County's Family Business of the Year at the OCBJ's annual Family Business Awards in the same year. Mountain View Services is not just a company, but a reflection of Eric's core values, caring, dependable, and honest. His belief in the power of community shines through in his model. Together, we can all make a difference in our communities and the lives of others. And his philosophy that the more people we meet, the more people we can help. In a world where individuality often takes precedence, Eric reminds us all to be yourself and showcases the profound impact one person can have when they dedicate their life to making the world a better place. Please join me in welcoming the remarkable Eric Goodman to Titans Food Service. Eric, welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to meet with me and learn a little bit more about your story. Um, you know, we've known each other for a few years now, and I've always been very fascinated with you, your business acumen. You're very charitable. So thank you for taking time to meet with me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Excited. Of course. Yeah. So maybe for those out there listening, maybe a little background on yourself, what's your business. Let's start there. Okay. 
Yeah, and I'm kind of a unique one in your food service industry field. So this is probably going to be a one of a kinder since I don't think you're going to interview someone else with a similar business on your phone. That's right. That's right. Uh, so the company is uh, Mountain View Services Incorporated, uh, MVS. Mm-hmm. We've been in business for 35 years this year, based headquartered out of Newport Beach, California. Uh, distribution centers are in the Inland Empire, Redlands, and San Bernardino. So for the last 35 years, we've been providing full-line grocery service, uh, medical supplies, and janitorial supplies to about 500 group homes for developmentally disabled adults and children. So funded through Medi-Cal and Medicare, um, these are six-bed residential care homes where a developmentally disabled adult uh, or child would live and provider would take care of them. And then we deliver all of their food. So everything the grocery store sells, you know, bread, milk, eggs, cheese, my distribution centers are full line stores. And then uh, on our trucks, we also deliver all the medical supplies that you'd use in a hospital, full line medical supplies. A lot of our consumers eat by feeding pumps and tubes for their nutritional supplements. And then we do personal supplies and janitorial supplies. So as far as I know, in the 35 years we've been in business, at least in California, I believe I'm the only company exists that does food distribution and medical supply distribution on the same truck. Yeah, you have a very interesting niche, and uh, you know, I've been, a, I've had the pleasure of visiting your facility and learning about your business. It, it really, I mean, you really dominate that space, uh, and you do good work for people too. Thank you. Yeah, it's very, very niche. I know when you and your dad came out and. And toured our operation and looked at it. It's uh, it's hard for people to grasp that I sell full line groceries, and then they get there and they see it in person. And they go, "Wow, you sell you sell groceries? <laughs> yeah, we sell groceries. Just everything the grocery store sells, but we deliver it on our own fleet of trucks uh, to these mm-hmm. group homes every week. So obviously, the consumers in the homes um, that are developmentally disabled, they are uh, reliant on our service to provide them all of the products and services they need. So we take that very seriously. And um, and we really care about the patients that we're servicing. And what's the frequency of delivery in a week? Once a week, so every week, every seven days. Yeah, so we go we go to a group home, different areas. So we're in seven counties in Southern California, basically from like Santa Barbara down to the coast, all the way down to the Mexican border, and then out to Indio, up the high desert, uh, and then back around uh, San Bernardino County, Riverside County, Orange County, LA County, Ventura County. San Diego County. So we'll go once a week, deliver them all their food, all their medical supplies, all their personal supplies, their janitorial supplies. And then the following week, we come back and do that all over again. You mentioned that the company's been around for 35 years. How has it started? That's an interesting story too. <laughs> uh, so my <laughs> partner, who's uh, who since passed away, actually owned about 65 of these six-bed residential group homes uh, for developmentally disabled adults and children in Southern California from the 60s to the 80s. He was in about five counties. So in 1988, they opened our current company, Mountain View Services, as a distribution arm for their care facilities. So no business plan, uh, wasn't set up to be a company. It was just going to be um, another one of his entities that was going to support his uh, uh, care home operation. And then fast forward to today, 35 years later, we're servicing about 500, a little over 500 of these six beds, rich residential care facilities. We don't own or operate any facilities anymore. The family's since sold those off. And um, it just came out of one provider would call and, and say, hey, we saw what you're doing for your facilities. We love that. We think it's a you know great idea. Can you service ours? And then the business was just built uh, overnight by that. Yeah. 35 years later, we're still here. 
And I think it's hard for you know any competitors to get into the space because don't you set the the menus? We do, and you build out the you know the packets for the the people living in these homes. We do. So we do the menus with dietary staff. We do the menus, um, have them approved. They're uh, state of California heart healthy approved menus. And we provide the food based on those menus. All of our homes eat family style. So they sit down for dinner and, and we feed them their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We don't sell pre-made food. We just sell groceries and then they, they prepare the food off of our menu. Right. And then all of the other supplies you have, it's very niche. And I think for somebody else to enter our space, you know, um, as you're we're well aware, being in uh, food and having refrigerated product, whether it's uh, storing it or distributing it or on our trucks, it's very expensive uh, to handle for a very low profit margin. So we make it up in volume. And then the medical supplies and the other items we sell kind of sets us apart. But I just don't think the ROI for somebody to try to enter our space and work with the facilities we have, you know, we were able to do it over a long-term period. But for somebody that was going to do it as an investment, I don't think the return on the grocery refrigerated investment would be a good return. Right. What about somebody in, in these homes? Let's say they're a, cel- a celiac and they can't eat gluten. Do you cater to that or or no? Whatever the menu is. The yeah, menu no. Is. So the menu, we we cover all that. So uh, any special dietary restrictions we're covering. So we're doing, it's a heart healthy approved menu, as I mentioned, but we're doing controlled calorie count diet. We're doing weight gain, weight loss. We're doing it for diabetes. We're doing it for celiac disease. If they have a um, gluten-free diet, we address that. So our dietary staff meets with their team and addresses all of the client's individual needs. And then we base the menu per client based off of that. We have a set menu and then we adjust it. And then we deliver all the food based on their specific requirements. Gotcha. Very fascinating how, I mean, how this business came to be and and what it is today. I mean, you and your team have done a fantastic job. Thank you. Yeah, and I had partners, as I mentioned, our founder, Don, he passed away in 2014. And then um, our CEO, who ran the company for many years, passed away in 2012. Uh, I became an owner in a business. So I've been with the company 29 years. I actually started with our company at Outside Sales. I uh, was director of sales, vice president, president in 2015. And I ran the company from 2015 to 2020. And then in 2020, we had the pandemic, uh, which you can imagine. I'm in food distribution and I'm in uh, janitorial supplies. So no yeah. toilet paper, <laughs> uh, bare shelves. <laughs> so uh, I lived through that era of um, owning a company that distributed all those products. So in 2020, my two partners who were left in the business decided they wanted to retire. And I bought them out of the company in 2020. So I've been sole shareholder of the corporation since November of 2020. Um, so that's wow. kind of when we took a different direction. Obviously, COVID changed a lot. You know, our yeah. our service was definitely valuable pre-COVID, but then post-COVID, it became extremely valuable because we're delivering all of the supplies to the facilities and they're not having to go out and buy them. They weren't standing in line. They weren't waiting for toilet paper to be restocked on the shelves. They weren't running out of food. I'm proud to say during the entire pandemic, we actually delivered to every single one of our facilities and never shorted one uh, facility and an item during the entire pandemic. We were able to, to supply everyone, which was... Looking on back on it now, I don't know how we did it, but miraculously somehow we did we did it. It was a miracle. Um, yeah, we were able to provide to everybody, and so um, so now today our services is obviously very coveted because now that people live through a pandemic, they know what it is to have to go source those items and get them. And we were doing PPE, and you know we already sell the gloves and the masks and the 
face shields and the protective gear. So um, all of that ramped up heavy during COVID, which actually we're having another small insurge right now. Sure. We've been doing some of that recently. So we're still we're still working through that. But yeah, it's been an interesting journey to get to where we are today. I would imagine your customers probably are well-connected to one another. And did you see your customer base expand coming out of COVID? Or were there other homes that said, hey, I want to work with you? Yeah, we did. We had um, so during the pandemic, we had a waiting list of about a hundred facilities who wanted to start service with us during the pandemic. Because obviously, once that hit and they knew what we did, they started calling saying, "Well, can you deliver to our facilities?" I had to make a really tough decision during COVID. I opted not to bring on any new facilities for about two and a half years because what I decided to do was, you know, we have customers that have been with us all thirty-five years. We've been in business. They've taken care of me. So during the pandemic, I decided I need to take care of them. Basically, we were on allocation like everyone in the food service industry was. Luckily, because our consumers are so high risk, most of the manufacturer partners and our distributors were providing us product before they were providing it to the grocery stores, which was amazing. I, you know, during the pandemic, you you experienced it and you know what it was like. I I had one week that we received about a half a truck. And that was the only week I was shorted during the entire COVID pandemic. That's unheard of too. Yeah, I mean, we just, the trucks just kept rolling in. We just kept getting truckloads on truckloads because the the partners that we had knew the clients that we were serving and they knew they were at high risk. They couldn't leave their homes. Um, They knew that their acute uh, care was, you know, very high so that there was a concern that if they did catch COVID, it would be, it would be deadly. So we continued to get product, which was amazing. But then the other thing that was just was really shocking to me, and, and it just shows how strong our community is, especially in healthcare. But a lot of our providers were calling me and saying, hey, Eric, you know, I've got a little extra of this. Do you know somebody that can use it? Then I would call providers and say, hey, I talked to so-and-so and they've got extra, you know, gloves or gowns or masks or extra food. Can you use it? And Oh, yeah, I need it. So we would go to one facility pick up stuff and take and deliver it to another facility. And we did that for a better part of a year because we were all working together, right? So mm-hmm. one of my facilities had a need, the other one had access, and they kind of used us as the as the uh, distribution to kind of fill those needs. So mm-hmm. we were just every day on the phone with providers. Oh, what do you need? Oh, you need this? Okay, let's make some calls. And we would call 10 other people and say, we have an urgent need for this. Do you have it? Yeah, I have extra. I can give it up. And then we would go three or four places. And yeah, the people just really pulled together and our industry as a whole really supported everyone. And they let me be the person to kind of uh, coordinate all that, which was really amazing. What is something you learned about yourself through that whole time? I don't know how I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I look back at it. This is not easy. Time. I'm like, I look back at it and I go, I don't know how we survived. How did we, how did we do that? Um, I learned, you know, I learned that you can't control things. So you have to just do the best that you can to take those circumstances and, you know, act at the time. So every day, you know, when the pandemic hit, I'd never run a large food distribution company during a pandemic. None of us had. I didn't know what to do. That that morning I woke up and it was, you know, Armageddon driving from Orange County to the Inland Empire to my office. There was three, four cars on the freeway and I'm driving and going, where's everybody at? What's going on? What's going on? Why is everybody off the road? And then I get to the office and I pulled the team together and I said, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what we're going to do, but we've got to continue to provide products and services to our, our developmentally disabled, you know, consumers in these care homes. So 
let's go. And every day we just, we just, uh, you know, had something happen and we would just address that need as it happened and we would continue to provide services. So it's, it's a miracle that we were able to do what we did, but we made it through it. And then what about in present day? What are some of the challenges that you face here in 2023? So actually, the supply chain for us has been worse in 23 than it was in 2021 and 22. We actually, uh, maybe not so much on the food side, but definitely on the healthcare side, the supply chain issues have been harder on us this year than they have been the previous two and a half or three. You know, there's been a national shortage on uh, baby formula. Well, that affected us. There was a national baby, uh, there's a national shortage on baby diapers recently. So that affected us. There's been national shortages since the end of 2022 in regards to uh, intro products, formula, like Insure and products mm-hmm. like that. So um, that's affected us. In the consumable space, paper goods, and we do a lot of adult diapers and baby diapers. There's been raw product challenges with them getting the materials they need to make the product. And then the labor shortages have still been huge. So then that affects the product uh, availability because of the labor to provide either manufacture it or distribute it. So this year has been a real struggle with us. We've had our issues with our own labor force, uh, getting employees to work and stay, and then getting product delivered. The revenue has fell off quite a bit this year only just because of the supply chain issues. We just can't get enough of the product in to distribute it. Yeah, that makes sense. What about, I think when we when I visited you, uh, I think that might have been a couple of years ago now, you were mentioning about warehousing, like just you know having enough storage for everything. What does that look like for you now? Yeah, so we've expanded into a second space now, and you and I were talking about that a little uh, before we got on the, this call together. So um, recently acquired my father's company, who's a paper good and chemical manufacturing company based out of the Inland Empire. And so he had large warehouse space. So we've moved into that second space now. So we're in two distribution centers where originally when you visited, we were just in the one. So that's helped. We recently just um, upgraded our fleet. So we brought in four new trucks. Uh, so that puts us at 10, 10 refrigerated trucks now that we're distributing out of and then um, three dry trucks on this on his side. So distribution has definitely expanded and the space has expanded. So we have to buy a lot of the product now in larger quantities and then hold it and then distribute it out where before we were just pretty much stocking like month to month. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. How has it been taking over your father's company? That's been an interesting. You work with your dad. You know, I do. <laughs> you know how family businesses are. It's been, yes. uh, so my dad had owned his company for about uh, 37 years. We've had our company wow. for 35 and I've been here for 30 of those uh, 35. And he decided this year that he was going to retire and uh, was thinking about selling the family business or maybe just um, closing the doors. We talked and I decided, um, you know, it was his legacy. It was, he built it from the ground up. He started it, he founded it, it's our family's name. And uh, I didn't want to see um, equity firm come in and buy it, you know, make changes or, or have family not involved in the business. So he retired and I took over uh, control of the company and shares. So two separate corporations, companies, Running separately, but uh, it's been a long journey because working with family, as you know, with your dad, mm-hmm. it's uh, great that we talk every single day and we see each other every single day. But then you have that family dynamics of there's no time where it's not business, right? I mean, you see each other every day, you see each other at night, you see each other at family functions, but then you got the business involved because you work together. Um, right. So it's a blessing, but then, you know, it's a challenge running a family business is like anything, it's tough. 
Uh, yeah, we, my my dad and I definitely have that. Is when we, you know, when we're when we're working, obviously we're on work, but then you know it's Christmas morning or it's you know we're just hanging out on on a weekend and we're talking about work and like what's the what do we want to do next and building the company. Like it's just naturally this is what we talk about. <laughs> Sometimes we'll talk, you know, not work and you know just talk about current events or sports, or whatever. And at the end, we're like. That was kind of nice. It always um, revolves around business somehow. It does. And everything always draws back to that. It's just, I think like yourself, you know, we're just, we're passionate about it. It's something, it's um, it's thrilling. It's adrenaline pumping. So, you know, we just naturally, or maybe we're just addicted to it. Who knows? <laughs> I think probably both. I'm in the same boat. And then I have my, I have my uh, so my son is involved in the business. My daughter's involved in the business. That's right. My son-in-law is involved in the business. Uh, my wife's currently started helping out at the business, and then now my father. So we have uh, three generations currently involved between the two companies. I mean that that is the American dream right there. Your kids, what are their roles in the business? Uh, so my son actually lives in New York City and has a as a full time job, but he does our uh, he does our social media marketing, mm-hmm. uh, which he's able to do remote, which is great. My daughter has a degree in marketing and graphic design. So she runs our marketing department, um, and then she has her own business on the side. She's a she owns a dance studio and does teaches dance. Uh, my son in law works as a pilot, mm-hmm. actually, and has a full time job. But he's able to work with the company, does a lot of remote work for us, obviously, because he can do that when he has his downtime traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife helps us out in the finance department, working um, with our CFO and the finance team, and then my dad, who was the president and CEO of the company on his side, he's currently going to do consulting for us where he's going to help out with uh, purchasing and procurement because uh, he obviously has you know 40 plus years experience in that. And then also with our sales team because he's always done sales with the company. Um, so he'll help us out with that. And then, yeah. and then myself as the CEO and people now that we're a family enterprise of multiple generations over a very short period of time, even though both companies have been in existence for a long time. We were an overnight family business. They'll ask me, well, how, how does it work with so many family members now involved in the business? And I always tell them it's very simple. It's a dictatorship. I'm in charge. <laughs> Everybody else in the family works for me. But seriously, we all get along really well. It works out really good. It's a, it's a good family dynamic. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. What about looking into the future of maybe the next five to 10 years? What are some things that you want to accomplish? Um, so we recently opened up a foundation, which I think you're aware of for the company. Yeah. So we opened up our MBS foundation uh, in okay. 2022 with Orange County Community Foundation here in Orange County uh, with Shelly Haas and her team. So we now have a, a company foundation. I do a lot of charity work. I'm on um, some boards. You and I have... Uh, been together on the American Heart Association Board of Directors. I'm currently on their Board of Directors. I know you and I have served uh, on a couple of their committees for their events recently, which is how we met. And then I'm on the Board of Directors for uh, Ron McDonald House Charities. I've been involved with that board. This is my 20th year uh, with Ron McDonald House Charities on their Board of Directors. So I wanted to take some of the charitable work that we do and extend that out to the community because we've been blessed and we have a business that can help others. Um, that's our everyday. Our mission is to provide products and services to only disabled adults and children. So obviously, there's a great need, and we we provide a great service. So with that foundation, my goal is to network with other nonprofits 
which we've done a lot with the last couple of years, which you're aware of. And um, yep. so we have about 100 or so nonprofits that are currently buying products and services through our company, medical supplies or janitorial supplies, school supplies, like we recently did the backpack drive for the Boys and Girls Clubs uh, in Orange County and, and others like that. So I want to build out that foundation to use our resources to help nonprofits anywhere. It doesn't have to be in Orange County. It's just where I'm based. Uh, anywhere where they can either use our our network to, to help their charity or we can help them uh, secure product and uh, savings or we can just help them you know, share their cause, tell people what they do and get other people involved. Like you and I, Big Heart, you have, uh, I know, a very strong why for the American Heart Association. And yep. uh, I have a heart condition. So that's that's my why. So you and I are very passionate about uh, American Heart and very passionate about children and the Ronald McDonald House. But then there's a lot of other amazing charities that do amazing things that both of our businesses, our companies support. So I want to just long-term use my foundation to make more connections in a nonprofit community find out where there's need and see how I can leverage my company and my resources and my connections to like you and your father to help others. That That's my long-term goal. I love that. And so those listening along, Eric is very, uh, one, you're very active on LinkedIn. And I think you might be one of the most charitable pr- people that I've ever met. Thank you. And good for you for that. And you're just making a, a true difference in our communities. And it's, it's something that I've always admired and, and you inspire me. And on the, the topic of inspiration, what got you, when you look at back when you started getting into, you know, helping out these charities, you know, you mentioned the Ronald McDonald Foundation being there for quite a while. What was it that you said, I feel so inspired, I want to get, you know, deeply involved in charity? Yeah, so if, you, if you're on my LinkedIn or if you're following me, um, I share my story very publicly. And we've recently had a few events in Orange County uh, that you've seen that I've shared where mm-hmm. I've, I've spoken, told my story. So when I was 15 years old, I had a life-saving surgery at Loma Linda Children's Hospital um, where I had uh, back surgery and they fused my spine and put metal rods in my back and plastic ribs. And I was in a full body cast for almost a year. So it's a very long story, but the short version is I had to have physical therapy to learn how to walk again. You know, I had to be homeschooled. Um, So having having a physical disability and I had that disability from when I was about three when I started wearing leg braces till I was 15 and a half when I had the emergency surgery. And then now being 31 years later, I've been pretty much health free. I mean, I'm, I'm still disabled by society standards, but, but I'm functioning. So that's what got me involved with the Ron McDonald house was because I knew what those families of those uh, kids went through at the hospital because I was there so that's what started my work with Ron McDonald House Charities was I wanted to give back and help the families that had been through what I had been through personally, what my family had been through caring for me for almost a year uh, in the hospital in a full body cast. And then just as I continued to build and grow the business, I never really connected the dots that we were providing services to developmentally disabled adults and children. I mean, that was just my work. And then a few years ago, Jay Golding, my storytelling coach that I've done some of the speaking with publicly and, and shared my story on LinkedIn and kind of crafted a little more. He's the one that kind of connected the dots and said, you know, your entire life's work, the last 30 years, you've been, you've been caring and helping for people with disabilities and you yourself had a disability. And I said, well, yeah, that was the reason behind it. But I never realized that was my mission, right? And then, mm-hmm. and then when I realized that that was my 
my life's work and my passion and I think my existence on this planet is to help other people. Well, then I started looking and I thought, well, gosh, I have all this in place already. I have the business, I have the distribution, I have the network, I have the connections, you know, I have these boards that I said, I know these people, how can I use this? All this that I've, that I've, I've been gifted with, how, how can I use this to help other people? And then about a year or so ago, that's when it really took off that we started publicly sharing my story and the company's story and then started, yeah. you know, going out to nonprofits and saying, how can we support you? How can we help you? And it just, it took off like crazy. And our nonprofit network now is huge. And as you said, we, you you know, you see what we do. We do a lot, but we do it because it's the right thing to do. And the need is there and I can help opposed to, I think sometimes businesses will partner with the charity for the right reason, because it's the right thing to do, but more that it's just, I have some resources. Where can I throw it? I'm going to help somebody. I got to do some good in the world. But if we actually right. invest the time and we sit down with those nonprofits and we say, what do you really need? How can we help? Let me open my Rolodex. Let me make some phone calls. Let me call Nick and his dad. You know, they have an amazing business. You have a food need. How can we fill that food insecurity? I know, I know you're working right now with one of the nonprofits that I connected you with, um, Julie over at Team I talked to Kids. her today. Yeah, to see how we can help her distribute her lemonade for Team Kids. But, you know, we're in this meeting and we're talking and we're saying, okay, what can we do? How can we make an impact? How can we distribute the product? Where can we get it? And I said, Nick, we, we got to call Nick. <laughs> we gotta call, <laughs> he's he's got to be involved in this. Nick and his dad, like, this is their business. This is what they do. This is who needs to be involved at the table. And then, you know, I contacted yeah. you and, of course, you willingly said, yes, I'll help. Uh, I don't know what that is yet, but she, but you agreed to help. And yep. uh, you talked to her today and, and see, it's it's things like that that's going to make a difference in our community opposed to us just sitting back and, and watching others, you know, do it. Yeah, in my in my conversation with Julie earlier today, you know, we talked about the food service industry, kind of had the distribution network and how it functions and set up. I gave her some recommendations for some distributors to contact to potentially partner with. And then she also needed help with formulation of her product, you know, extending shelf life, things like that. And I was like, I have the perfect person for you. So I connected those two together. So like the, the chain just continues. And, you know, every time you surround yourself with, with somebody who knows, you know, that specific topic, in this case, creating a product for mass production, you know, you just, you get closer and closer to the goals and objectives you want to achieve. And it all started with your conversation just, you know, a few weeks ago. Right. Well, I and mean, when I met Julie, I mean, I, I know food distribution, that's my background, but I don't know product uh, marketing placement and, you know, mm -hmm. resources. And then so then when we talked and I thought of you and your dad and then immediately connected you guys, and you connected with somebody, it's just going to come full circle. And obviously if we can help that charity, that yep. would have been an expense of theirs. That would have been time on their end. And it would have been probably an uphill battle to get there. And between a phone call to you and a phone call to somebody you know, and look at, we probably fast-tracked her a year on getting headway of stuff to go, but it was all through our connections, which is what it's all That's about. That's right. What about for the people out there who, in present day, they, they don't do any charitable work, but would like to, what advice would you give someone uh, you know, starting out? Yeah, I get asked that a lot, especially when I speak and do stuff. So two things I think have to go with being involved with the charity, especially if you're a business and you want to start giving more back and doing more for the charity. The concern that I had when I first started, and I think a lot of uh, family businesses or smaller businesses think is, I thought, well, I can't compete with a Fortune 500 company. I can't, I can't give like they give. I can't, I can't write a check for a million dollars and hand it to a charity and I can't make an impact. So I think a lot of smaller businesses or family businesses hold back 
on giving because they feel like they can't compete with other bigger organizations, you know, other bigger companies. And what I found was it's amazing the impact that a smaller family business with connections, real connections, mm-hmm. people like we just talked about that know people can make things happen so much faster than a big corporation can. I mean, you're not going to call a Fortune 500 company and have a meeting with the CEO and then they're going to set up a meeting with one of their vendor partners and they're going to set up a meeting with their distributor and do what you and I just did in in an afternoon. Um, So I think we can actually make a bigger impact if we get involved. And the other thing that I just has always blown my mind is I share what we do on LinkedIn just to get the word out and tell other people, you know, you can do this too. You don't have to write a million dollar check. You just have to find a need in your community and help fill it with the resources you already have. You already have the company. You already have the connections. You already know people. And I'm always amazed at how many people will message or call me or contact or or comment on my post and say, you know, I didn't realize that until you pointed it out. That's amazing. I can do it. And I connected with so-and-so like you with Julie and Teen Kids. And the next thing you know, you have this amazing relationship. So I think it's just a matter of realizing that even if your resources are small, you can still make a huge impact through your network if we all work together, which is how I've been doing it. And then the second thing, second part to your question is um, what charity to get involved with or how is you have to have passion for that. I survived this life-saving surgery when I was a child. And I know what I went through and I have massive passion for families of kids and or people that are disabled because I, it's, it's my, my why. So if you find that source, all of us have a family member who was affected by cancer or heart condition or child or, you know, all kinds of things. Find that, that thing in your life or family's life or business that has that why and that passion, and then it'll be so easy for you to get involved. I mean, it's just, you're going to be amazed that you're going to get involved. And then you've experienced it yourself personally. I know you know this, but you got involved with the American Heart Association and every single family and friend that you have, now they're involved in the American Heart Association. They don't even think twice about it. They support it because they're supporting you. And, yeah. and you do all of that for them. So if anybody would just step up and get behind something you're passionate about in some charity, you will be blown away with how your family and friends, and I know you can contest to this, are you're going to say, they all got behind me. Everybody gets behind right. me. And you make a huge impact, but one person has got to start it for everybody else to do it. And that's kind of what I've been trying to lead. It's just, just do it, and then you know it'll happen. Yeah, that's very well said. You, you hit the nail on the head is when I got involved with the American Heart Association, you know, then I, I, I had my dad, um, you know, supporting me and... And then my family, my immediate family, then it ex- ex- uh, extended outside of that. And then my friends, you know, they see me online or I'm talking to them about it. And so that impact of when I got in, I was somebody I was like, I don't know what to expect from all of this. You know, what can I give in terms of, you know, time? And But I, I found that the, one, you just feel good after doing all of that. And two, as you mentioned, the impact is incredible. And it just makes you want to do more and give back as much as you possibly can. And I bet you never realized when you started or got involved that you'd have that many people support you as much as they do. And then once you're willing to put the word out on LinkedIn and on your social media posts about your involvement with the, with the American Heart Association, people naturally just gravitated to help you because, because they're supporting you. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. When you look back at, you know, your time working with charities, is there any significant moment that sticks out to you as one that, you know, it's a memory that you hold very dearly to your heart? 
So I started with, uh, kind of like you with the American Heart Association, I started with the Ronald McDonald House Charities very young. I was yeah. 21 years old. When I got involved, I was president of their organization for three years. I was the youngest president of their organization in their company's history, in their wow. charity's history. Um, so I learned, we were a governing board when I started, and then we transitioned to a fundraising board um, during that time. So I went from running a large multi-million dollar charity where I was signing checks and I had staff reporting to me. So I was working my own business and I was doing this nonprofit that was almost like a second full-time job because it required just as much as my day job did to transitioning into capital campaign and then, you know, 20 years on the board. And looking back on it now, when people ask me or I talk about it, I'm amazed at how much of the things I learned from running that charity actually transitioned over to my business life. And that those right. things that we discussed in those board meetings and the way we ran the charity is just like we run the business. And I think far too many people think of a business as a business and a charity as a charity. And they say, oh, a charity isn't a business. A charity is a business. Yeah, <laughs> Any is. way you look at it, a charity is a business. They've got revenue, they've got employees, they've got a product, like a charity is a business. So that's some of my connections have been so amazing with some of these nonprofit leaders like Don Reese at the Wooden Floor, who's an amazing charity partner of mine, where her and I'll meet and talk about how to run her business, which is a nonprofit, how to run my business, and how they're so similar, but yet the public sees them as so different. Mm -hmm. So my biggest takeaway has been, if you get involved with an organization and you're on the board or you're just uh, on an executive team, you know, like when you helped us lead at the, at the American Heart Association executive leadership team, that so much of that is transferable to your business or so much of the business is transferable to the charity. You don't really think about it, but it really, really is a really good foundation and a building block to support, you know, to do both. And I think that's why for-profit leaders do so well in the nonprofit sector is because we have the background of running a business, but then we also have the experience of working with the nonprofit. So yeah, that's always been my biggest surprise or wow is how integrated the nonprofit world and the for-profit world are together. If you're in business and you're working with a charity, how much of that is transferable between the two and that you can really help a lot of people with that experience. Eric, every time I, I, I talk to you, you just inspire me. And, and I love just kind of how you broke down how, you know, your business and how you got into it and working with the charities and how it all is intertwined with one. And I hope people listening to this you know, get more involved give back to your communities there is um you know there's so much value to that uh, on top of just feeling good and i have to share well before we go together so when i met you and your dad and i know i've shared this with you before but i'll share it publicly so you guys came out and toured my operation we talked because we'd met through the american heart yep. association told me about your business and about your uh, food brokerage and what you guys do you know we've been in business so 35 years this year we've been in business maybe 33 years at that point or something like that always considered ourselves to be a um, very family oriented business team that's been with me a long time i've got one manager been with the company for 35 years. Our senior management team of 13 are all about 20 year plus employees with the exception of a few. And And when I met you and your dad, I could not believe the family that you guys had built in your business, you know, just the way you guys ran it and did it. And one of the things that you guys shared with me, which I, I know I've shared publicly, but I don't, I don't know if you, you guys realize what a huge impact you had on my life and how your business changed my business was you guys' values, your core values. 
Yeah. I mean, you explained to me what your core values were and you stood by those core values and you guys talked about them just in everything you did. And I was yep. so impressed with the way your core values <laughs> led your business. I was like, these guys are onto something. Like, I feel like yep. I have a good business and I feel like I know, I know how to run it, but I just don't feel like my core values are really representative of my company. And I, I changed them like within the next few weeks, I, I came up <laughs> with our core values. I've shared them on LinkedIn every single day for the last couple of years, you know, caring, dependable, and honest. That's my company. And that's my, my personal core values is uh, we're caring about what we do. We're dependable to the people we service and we're honest about, about how we go at business. And ever since I've done that, I just, I, I lead my life and my business now. My customers have to fit those core values. My employees have to fit those core values. My relationships have to fit those core values. Charities have to fit those core values. And uh, I've been living by that the last couple of years. And that was because of you guys, because of you and your dad. You, you, you guys came up with that. It took me some soul searching to figure out what the core values were. We got them in place. And ever since then, I've been leading my business every single day with those values. And it's because of you and your dad that I did that. Oh my gosh, I love that. I'm that serious. is so cool. You guys made a huge <laughs> you made a huge impact on me and my business after I met you guys. You just your your sense of your values were so strong. Like I don't think I could have broke the values away from you two if I tried when you shared with yeah. me your business. I'm like, they are living this every single day. Like their values yeah. are so important to them. Mine were too, but I wasn't leading my business with those values. And now that I am. It's really been it's been a changer, and you know it's because of your family's business that I did that. Oh, I thank you. Yeah, well, I remember when we first made them. We had we got pulled out the uh, the whiteboard marker and the whiteboard, and we wrote down each of our employees' names and just started like giving positive adjectives about each person. And then we started to look at like what are some similarities across each of these people. And then we found, okay, there, there's four things that we that all of these people have in common. And so moving forward, anybody we hire have to have those four things. Uh, we want our team, you know, we're, we're up, we're spread out into Southern Cal, Northern Cal, Nevada, Hawaii. Everybody in business is faced with tough decisions at some point. It, in our business, you might be in front of a customer who's just mad at you, just yelling and because something didn't go right. And when that person's up against the wall, we want them to make the, the decision that aligns with the core values. Um, you know, it's very important to us. And you're right, we, we try to share them anywhere we go. Yeah, give me your core values. <laughs> So we're family. We're a family first minded company. So as much as we love Portillo Sales and Marketing, because we do, we think it's a great place to work. Our company never comes before any of our team members' families. That that's that's priority number one. If we have to give, you know, bad news to a client or a customer that, you know, this person needs to take time away with their family, then you know, then they need to go do that. So that's so we're family first minded. And then our second one is integrity. Essentially what we say we're gonna do. Uh, passion is my is our third one. We look for people who have just a true deep passion for what they do. Um, and then the last one is reliable. It's being reliable to to one another as a team. We like to view ourselves kind of like Sparta, you know. It's or in the movie Three Hundred, you're a Spart. You have three hundred Spartans all standing shoulder to shoulder, fighting uh, thousands and thousands of the Persian army. And if you're reliable to one another like they were in the movie, you know, you can really hold off and defeat the enemy or, you know, in this case, you know, move the sales needle. Well, there's so many times in my business had a mission statement, which we've had for 35 years. We had our vision statement. 
I don't think a single person in my organization could recite to you my mission statement or my vision statement. <laughs> I probably struggled with my mission statement myself because it was too long, had too many words, it said too much, but it had a good, we had a good, we had a good why, but it just, it wasn't executed well. And then right. a lot of businesses have values and they post up those values and they share those values, but I never met anybody who like, like hardcore lived by those values. And I met you and your dad and you guys came to my operation and I was following you on LinkedIn. I'm like, they seriously live by these values. Like <laughs> They're going to die by these. And so that's when I, so I actually, we surveyed our, our team and we surveyed yeah. our customers and we had them tell us what things they thought of when they thought of Mountain View Services. Right. Like uh, what comes to your mind when you think of our business? And so that's how we came up with our three uh, the caring, dependable, and honest. And then, yeah, I've just said that as part of my mandated to run the organization is uh, everybody has to align with those values or then it's just not a good partnership because we okay. have to have shared values to go together. So but I just wanted to share that with you and your listeners. And I know I've told you and your dad that before, and I know I've, I've yeah. posted on LinkedIn, but I don't know if you realize what, how much of an impact you two really made on my business and my life. And you, you really did. You guys, you helped me tremendously. So thank you for that. No, of course. Thank you so much, Eric. That, that truly means a lot. Well, I want to just say thank you for taking time out of your day to meet with me and share your story. Be vulnerable. Go deep. I really enjoyed our conversation as always and i know it'll resonate with a lot of people listening so thank you so much thank you for inviting me and i'm glad that uh, we're in the food service industry together even though it's a little different i think i feel a very right. unique niche so i'm glad that we can get our word and our story out there and if you or anybody that your listeners know of any uh nonprofit organization or uh or for-profit organization that you think would be a good fit for us to partner with please uh let me know. My, I'm always telling my team and anybody I meet, uh, the more people we meet, the more people we can help. So I need to meet people and make those connections to be able to help more people in our community. And what's the best way for those that do want to get involved to reach you and your team? So if you want to LinkedIn me, it's uh, Eric L. Goodman, E-R-I-C, middle initial L, and then Goodman, G-O-O-D-M-A-N, and or connect with you. I'm sure you'll connect them up with me to yeah. give them my email address or my number and we can connect. Fantastic. Great. Eric, Nick, thanks. always good to see you. Tell your dad I said hi. Great working with you guys. You're doing amazing things. Thank Before you so much, Eric. All right. Bye-bye.